We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to the morning briefing for Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame, and coming up on today's show, we are going to talk to Jessica Harris, retired soldier from the Army National Guard, about her company, Canine Salute Dog Treats. She makes dog treats that she appreciates the ingredients for and likes the ingredients for, and you can tell because she feeds them to her own dog. And then she gives a portion of the proceeds to police departments to help them buy bulletproof vests for their canine officers, those working dogs. Uh, The idea came to her after she saw news clips of a bunch of police working dogs being killed in the line of duty, being shot, did not have any sort of protection. So she found a way to build a company that she thought could help stop that problem. So we're going to talk to Jessica about that and so much more coming up. But first, let's welcome the bird dog to the studio. Actually, yeah, I guess it would be a, a, a bark, not a bird sound that a bird dog would make. Wrong with you. <laughs> Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Philbert. Uh, we are joined by Phil Bird Dog Briggs, United States Navy former sailor, uh, Navy journalist while he was in there on board the USS John C. Stennis. And we're going to talk about some Navy stuff today, Phil. But we're going to start off talking about a general veteran issue that's apparently taking place in a few places, but the news story that we've seen Uh, The most coverage of and that we're covering on ConnectingVets.com is out in Dayton, Ohio. So there are these hometown hero programs in towns across the country where they put up banners to honor those from those areas who gave their lives, who gave everything for the United States of America in times of war. Well, the Dayton Power and Light Company in Dayton, Ohio, has told the city of Dayton that they need to pull that down. Wow. Wow. They're saying uh, it's uh, some sort of threat to the power grid or whatever because they are on the the power lines. You know, the big posts, the big wooden posts that go up to the power lines? Sure. They're saying it's not allowed. The town is saying, yeah, but they're nowhere near any of the power lines unless the power lines went down and broke already, which would be a big enough problem. These things aren't like getting wrapped up in the lines. There is uh, a holder on top and bottom, so it's not even like they're swaying and blowing in the breeze like a flag. These banners are kind of locked in place. But Dayton Power and Light has told New Lebanon, Ohio, that's the uh, place that's running this hometown hero program out there, they need to take those veterans, uh, those banners, down by Veterans Day uh, or that they will uh, uh, be basically fined $40,000 if they don't take them down. So you're talking about $328 per poll, 125 banners equals about $40,000. The town supervisor out there basically and the person who runs the program as well, uh, this gentleman who runs the New Lebanon Municipal Manager, George Marcus, says that uh, he thinks this is just the way for the utility company to get some uh, unforeseen revenue, that he thinks that's what it is. They know the town's not going to want to take them down and probably going to want to pay the fines. So, hey, there's $40,000 extra for the power and light company. Uh, what do you think about this? I mean, is it on uh, the, the power company's uh, polls? Yeah, but those power companies are allowed to have the polls because the town allows them to be there. Uh, kind of a chicken-in-the-egg scenario, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I find it very similar to those communities and the art and the and the debates we always cover about flags. Yeah, you yeah. know, somebody puts a flag up and it's like, eh, it's kind of within the regulations, but it really wasn't covered in the CCNRs or the you know the covenants and whatnot that govern the neighborhood, or maybe mm. it was, and the person's just like, well. I'm an American first. I should be able to have my flag. So to hell with your covenants. I mean, you guys should just have this factored into the covenant before you build the damn neighborhood. Allow for American flags in a residential neighborhood in America. This is similar to me in that like, yes, it's your power poles. But to your point, it's in a city you're making revenue from, although you didn't originally design them to hold banners or, you know, salutes for, you know, to honor veterans. Now that it is a thing. Try not to come across as total jerks. Yeah. Like, accept the fact that maybe this was an unforeseen opportunity here. But one, don't try to make a cash grab in yeah. the pants of the people that just want to honor a veteran. And two, understand that maybe situations evolve and maybe this you didn't think about it when you built the damn power poles. But maybe it's a pretty cool thing. Try to let some common sense reign. And that's what all these situations always lack. Nobody is taking a cup from the common sense jar no. or a sip from the common sense jar. And the, uh, the municipal manager there in New Lebanon, Mr. Marcus, he used the same term you did. He says the bottom line is it's a cash grab. Anytime you can nail a community for over $300 a poll to put a banner on there and we've got 125, that's a pretty big number. As we said, it's around $40,000, which I don't know what that town's budget is, but I'm sure they didn't budget $40,000 for right. banner hanging. Uh, and the banners actually are, uh, they cost 150 Residents can honor a veteran for a one-time fee of $150. So I, I don't even know if um, – I, I don't know the, the, the specifics of how this works. If they can do like a Phil Briggs banner up on the post, which, boy, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Get a <laughs> bird dog, baby. Get look that this, one up there. Look at this glory right Look at here. that. Yeah, that's what everybody wants to see driving down the road is Phil's face glaring at them from upon high. Um, yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, when I was living in Long Island, the power company was always jacking up the rates – Nothing changed. There were more residents. I mean, the, the the towns and cities were growing out there, so you should have been making more money, but that wasn't enough. They wanted right. to make even more, which, you know, they're a utility. Should they be doing that? Uh, I don't know, but uh, they probably have the legal right to do so out in Ohio. I think the one thing that can kind of come back and bite the power company, public opinion. If everybody in town and everybody in the area and everybody in the country starts paying attention to this and sees Dayton Power and Light and starts complaining to them, that might make a difference. Well, Here, I mean, you know, they've got them by the shorts, though, because you can't go get an alternative source of power. I mean, you, no. it's very difficult to do. You could maybe jump off the grid and try to live on solar and vegetable oil and smell like a French fry all day. But, I mean, odds are that's probably not going to happen. No. You need power. The city needs power to run, and that's the only source of it. I just – what blows my mind is that why can't anyone see when a situation like this jumps out and says, oh, God, people are putting up, uh, you know, veteran banners? Well, maybe we should – I don't know, like charge a little application fee and we'll take all those proceeds and we'll use it as a as a program to benefit some people and generate some good PR. Because yeah. at the bottom, at the end of the day, your damn power poles are paid for. Mm -hmm. You know, here's you don't what, need the money to offset the expense of having them. Here's what I do if I'm New Lebanon. I take little cheapo poles, go down to like Home Depot or Lowe's, buy some cheapo poles, put them up right next to the power lines <laughs> and then put the banners on there. And then put little uh, plastic middle fingers on top of those poles. To, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all exactly. pointing towards the uh, headquarters of Dayton Power and Light. 
All right, so we've talked about that. Now, here's something that no amount of public opinion is apparently going to change because the head of the Fayetteville VA Medical Center announced on a Monday morning meeting, and the news just came out yesterday, that he is resigning and he's going to leave before Thanksgiving, which that's only a month away now, essentially, a little bit more than a month. Provided no reason, just said, it's nothing bad. And he'll speak more about his reasons later. So this is one of the nation's fastest growing veteran populations in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He had six months on the job. So this isn't somebody who was like 15 years on the job, time to retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six months yeah. on the job. Uh, since April, Army veteran James Laterza has overseen health care for more than 75,000 veterans in those communities, which include Fort Bragg, Camp Lejeune, Marine Corps Air Station, Cherry Point, Wilmington. He's had several town hall meetings with staff and patients. Last month highlighted a decrease in wait times for first appointments. He says it's nothing bad. Anytime anybody resigns after six months, you think there's got to be something bad. I mean, maybe maybe not bad for the patients, maybe bad for him. Maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's family issues. Yeah. You don't know what it can be, but you do know that, again, these VA medical centers can be kind of a microcosm for big VA where we've had how many VA uh, secretaries over the last, what, 10 years? We've had like 12 of them over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. it seems. It's been ridiculous. I mean, Shulkin was fired earlier this year. Admiral Ronnie Jackson, you remember that whole fiasco? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And Party then, time. And then Robert Wilkie, uh, who is, of course, now the secretary of the VA. It, it doesn't give you a warm fuzzy to hear that at one of the fastest growing medical centers, after six months on the job, the head resigns, and his only comment is, that's eh, nothing bad. I just got other stuff to do, you know, like, come on, man, what are you doing? You got to give us something more than that. You know what I feel like when I hear that? I feel like so many relationships I was in where the girl, you know, after a few months was just like, you know, it's not you. You're a great guy. You really deserve someone better. I never got that. It's for me. It was always like, it's you. It's absolutely you. A hundred percent. I'd be like, yep, I, I can get behind that. I understand where you're coming from. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Have a great life, lady. I think he's breaking up with us and trying to make us still have some self-esteem. He's breaking up with the VA and trying to leave him, you know. That's an interesting theory. And we'll we'll see because he says he's going to say more later. But right now, just, that's eh, nothing bad. I just don't want to work there anymore. Why not? No bad reason. No, I just, you know, the a, hours. I, is I it don't... a good reason? Like, is there a good reason not to work there? Well, i got to tell you, Elon Musk, he's now a free agent. He's going to come in and run the VA. But it's, and, like, right. what would the good reason be? I don't see anything out there. Let's do one more news story before we move on to a little bit more fun conversation that we're going to have here. And this is on one of our fellow Navy veterans, this little nut job out in Utah named William Clyde Allen III, hmm. 39 years old. He's the one who sent the quote-unquote ricin letters to President Trump and the <laughs> oh, chief God. of naval operations. Turned out that the letters actually had ground-up castor seeds, which is what ricin comes from, but this wasn't weapons-grade ricin or anything like that. Like, right. you need to... That we did some research. Were you in here with me when we were talking about those seeds and what they can do? Mm-mm. Castor seeds are kind of incredible. Like they, they can be used to induce labor. They can be used for all sorts of things. It's the shell of the seed that's ground up to create rice. And this guy uh, did some try to do some homemade rice. And I guess just grinding up the whole seed because again, this is a crazy <laughs> person. This is a little nut job out there. And I shouldn't say little, but he is, because in his mugshot, you look at it and you're like, oh, he's like 5'3". That's adorable. So <laughs> he's out in Utah. His name is William Clyde Allen Third, which uh, you know, it's one of those names where you see it and you're like, why does everybody who goes by their full three names seem to end up on the news for something bad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's 39 years old. And what he said, according to KUTV out there in Utah, is that he was needed at home to care for his sick wife and that that sick wife would ensure that he obeys any court-ordered restrictions. All right. Some problems with that. 
One, uh, how is the wife that's so sick she needs him to care for her going to be able to stop him from doing anything after just a couple weeks ago, he proved that he's capable of doing insane things. <laughs> that that doesn't match up. Dude well, still has a mailbox. <laughs> apparently, U.S. Magistrate Judge Dustin Peed agrees with me because he says he thought Allen could still be a danger to society and he's going to stay in jail. So he's going to be charged with, or he has been charged with, threatening to use a biological toxin as a weapon, as well as some other counts. There are also federal counts whenever you try to use the U.S. Postal Service right. for any sort of crime. That's a federal crime right there. This guy's looking at some serious time and is, again, another example of when people say to me, like, oh, you were in the military. I, I respect everybody who served in the military. I say to them, nope. You know, you can respect the idea of everyone who is serving in the military, but the reality, you got people like William Clyde Allen III. This is a guy, Robin, who was on the USS Saipan with me, and yeah. he someone sends me a clip of a news article like a year or two ago, and apparently he just lost his mind and started beating up some lady in a parking lot and screaming out racial epithets. Like, they're bad people in the military, just like there aren't anything, and just like in anything else, it's a small portion. There's only one guy out of how many millions of Navy vets trying to make homemade ricin and send it to the president and the chief of naval operations. We also have the fact that this guy did a full four years, finished his contract, and got out as an E2. Ooh. Yeah. Well, he, was, he, he was not on the path to advancement. He For those was, of you who aren't actually military veterans or members, <laughs> if you do four years and you get out as an E2, you're supposed to make E2 automatically. Six months. <laughs> Oh, Lynn Rolfe checking in. Yeah, we're going to see you soon, Lynn. We're going to talk to VFW and Sport Clips today Oh, cool. Uh, about something yeah. that they've got going on. It's pretty amazing. Uh, thanks for joining us on Facebook Live, Lynn. Everybody else should, too. 7.15 a.m. We're right there, and you can comment on the show as we talk about it. But, yeah, this guy, uh, it, you know, he apparently made it all the way up to third class right. and then back down to airman apprentice or seaman apprentice or whatever he was, <laughs> whatever his rate was. But, yeah, just one of those stories that kind of illustrates there's crazy people in every line of work. and Just, just like your office, we... We have dirt bags too. And, and you know what? <laughs> what we add dirt I remember bags hearing a few times from people in the community that you would think would have the fewest dirt bags, the special operations community. Right. And I remember uh, being on like the Frank Cable where we had a big dive shop with Navy divers who were special operations sailors. And, you know, people would talk to them about like, oh, you guys are all amazing. They'd be like, no, we have our dirt bags too. We have, <laughs> we have scumbags within our unit. And I've heard that from Navy SEALs. I've heard yeah. that from Green Berets. Like, not everybody's on the same level. And uh, people do sometimes get into trouble for some of the things that they're doing. Can I share my crazy guy story? What's your crazy guy story? His name was Phil Briggs. On, on the carrier Stennis, his name was Phil Burton. It changed no, it. no, just be Bill Friggs. No, I, I had this guy. I, I don't even know his name. He was in Airedale. And I, I can't even, I think his name was Steve or We'll Karina. just call him Steve or whatever, but he got he got popped two times in Norfolk because he had a a pension for revealing himself. He he just when he wasn't on base, he liked to cruise around town with no pants. And no pants. Would frequently, I think one time he got caught pumping gas, no pants, just flagrante, holding the hose wow. and pumping gas. If you know what I mean. And That's then, uh, <laughs> and then there was another time he got caught like in a public park or something right near uh, 17th Street Beach Pier, and 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 he was hanging out. I don't know if it was on the beach or in the parking lot, but I mean, sometimes you, can, you forget your swimsuit, and what are you going to do? <laughs> Just going to drop trowel and get in there. Oh, natural. I mean, it's okay if you're changing, putting the surfboard in the trunk, or real quick, you know, jumping in and out to get yeah. on some dry clothes. But bro was just literally leaning up against the grill of his car, like. 
He's a nudist, you know? And there are places you can go to do that. You just can't do it everywhere publicly. That can be a problem. I, man, I have so many stories of lunatics that oh, I worked right, with. Right. We have, like in, in, in Suda Bay, we had an engineer that worked at the, uh, the AFN detachment there who stole someone's passport and tried to leave the... He just didn't want to be in the Navy anymore. <laughs> you know what? He was a first class. This guy had been in for a while. He, got, oh he had God. like 15 years in, and he was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, and tried to get out of the country. I think it may, and it may have been using like a woman's passport or something like that. <laughs> They've had a family member. Sent, I don't remember exactly, but that guy was crazy. We had the guy at A school, Navy uh, Journalism School, the Defense Information School, yeah. who wanted to get out and decided that drugs were the fastest way, because if you pop positive on your analysis, you're gone pretty quick. Right. He was very anti-smoking, though, so he ate dry marijuana leaves, didn't cook it into anything, just ate it straight, vomited for a while, and then went down and turned himself in, and he was gone. That was the same one who decided to paint one of the walls of his barracks room, uh, like with a, a, a mural, like a jungle scene mural. Yeah. So these stories are pretty interesting and fascinating, and everybody's got them about people they served with. Yeah. They can make for good movies, Phil. You and I both served in the Navy, and there are a lot of good movies and some not-so-good movies focusing on the Navy experience. So off the top of your head, let me spring this one on you. Favorite Navy movie of all time. What would your favorite Navy movie of all time be? And you can either give me the real answer or the ridiculous one I can see you working up behind those mischievous <laughs> eyes. It sounds cliche, but I have to say that when they made it in the 1980s, mm -hmm. It was, and still is, I think, one of the greatest military movies ever made. Top Gun. Top Gun is a good one, and a lot of people think of that for some reason as an Air Force movie. No, it's a Navy movie. Air Force pilots ain't landed on aircraft carriers. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Maverick and all that. There's a new Top Gun being made now, like a reboot of it, where <laughs> Maverick is like... I've covered it a couple times. I think times, he's yeah. the instructor, which wasn't that played by like, uh, Bruce somebody. Uh, it was played by the guy who played the dad in A River Runs Through It. I can't remember his name. He was also in a bunch of Cheech and Chong movies. I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. Now I'm going to have to click on Top Gun and find out what his name was. I want to say it's Bruce... What are you talking about? The guy that played Jester? No, 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 no. The guy who was like the <clears throat> boss, the guy who was like the the one who was in charge. Oh, the, of the CEO top, of Top Gun, the Top Gun School. Yeah, he was yeah, like I a, forget his name too. Commander but... or a captain or something. Now I've got to find it because he was in Tom Skerritt. That's who it is. Yeah. Who was in like uh, Cheech and Chong movies and stuff like that. So that's not my favorite Navy movie. What? No, no. If I have to pick a favorite Navy movie, it's not going to be that one. I'm. It's <laughs> it's tough for me to figure out which one I want to pick, but. I think when looking at a list of Navy movies that pop up there, and yeah, there's all the SEAL stuff, and Zero Dark Thirty was a great movie and yeah. everything. The Hunt for Red October. Mm. Young Alec Baldwin. I'll give it to you. Sean Connery, yeah. Tim Curry. Um, oh, gosh. Who's the guy from uh, Jurassic Park? Played the the main guy in Jurassic Park. Like the uh, His name is, I think I want to say Bruce again. Right. Everybody's named Bruce today for me, but... When you, yeah, Tom Skerritt. See, Andy Nelson had it. Tom Skerritt. That's the guy who was in uh, Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. He was the father in A River Runs Through It. He was the, the boss at Top Gun in Top Gun. All right, so here's a question for you. Least favorite Navy movie of all time. Which Navy-focused movie can you just not stand or do you kind of hate watch, I suppose you can do as well? I think I hate it so much I've never committed it to memory. What was the one with Rihanna in it? Oh, Battleship. 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 That's because right. what better to base a movie off of than a game that was boring to children even back then <laughs> when I was playing it in like 1985? It was such a dumb movie where it, it 
I, I mean, I guess technically a lot of naval warfare these days has to do with things that you can't see, much like in the game Battleship where you're attacking from farther away. <laughs> that started in World War II where you right. had uh, two fleets, a Japanese fleet and an American fleet, doing battle where the ships never saw each other. It was all the aircraft uh, doing everything. Yeah, that's a pretty bad one. But it had a pretty big cast. It was, well, Rihanna, who's not a great actress. Um, some would argue not a great singer as well. well she has like two notes I'd be and auto-tune. <laughs> yeah, two notes and auto-tune. There you go. She's built a hell of a career out of it, though. Uh, Liam Neeson, though, was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I kind of can't with Liam Neeson e- either anymore. I mean, ever since he has those... a particular set of skills. Okay, well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually change my answer because I just saw something come up that I had forgotten about. That was perhaps one of the most realistic representations of the Navy and the things that I saw in the Navy, particularly because it's uh, starring a guy playing a petty officer first class. That is the last detail. Have you seen the last detail? Oh yeah, and it was almost it was kind of half remade with the Steve Carell sort of reboot a couple years ago. But the last detail you're talking about the oh, one, yeah, I know what you're talking the about. The original one Jack starring Nicholson Jack Nicholson and um, oh god, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid, and they have to take the their buddy's what body back? No, for a no, 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 no. They have no, to no. go back to no, attend no, 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 a funeral. No. You, so you're mixing that up with the Steve Carell. The Steve Carell movie is about a funeral for a guy. The last detail, Randy Quaid is being brought to the brig. Oh, we being brought to the He's yeah, like right. a seaman recruit being brought to the brig for breaking whatever rule by Jack Nicholson and another first class who are like the MPs, the MAs in mm-hmm. the Navy, as we call them, bringing them over there. Fantastic movie. And really just that kind of dark humor that you find in the military. It right. was a great movie. Here's another one that I did not care for that is a Navy movie, Behind Enemy Lines. Gene Hackman, Owen Wilson. Do you remember that one? Owen Wilson is a fighter pilot. Gets oh. shot down <laughs> over like Bosnia and ends up yeah. like running from a guy wearing a tracksuit and all that stuff. The reason I don't like it is because when that movie came via the Naval, Naval Motion Picture Service, the little tapes that we get on the ship, I was running the TV system on board the USS Saipan, and I swear to God we had to play that movie seven, eight times oh, a day because wow. people were into it, and I really didn't care for the movie the first time. By the 50th time, I just wanted Owen Wilson and Gene Hackman uh, gone from the face of the earth. Just snap my fingers and they'd be gone. What other ones stick out to you is not very good. G.I. Jane is one that comes up for a lot of people of just kind of ridiculous military movies, and I know a lot of SEALs say it's not a very realistic representation of their training or anything like that. Well, that was on my list, yeah. Um, Is there anything else that sticks out for you as really good or really bad? Not specifically Navy How about Under Siege with Steven Seagal? But... Well, Steven Seagal, I mean, everyone knows that the Every baddest warfighters have ponytails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The baddest warfighters. Well, fighters. he, that movie, perhaps the most uh, interesting aspect of that movie is he's a former Navy SEAL who's now a mess specialist on a battleship. <laughs> so could that happen? I guess. I knew a SEAL, a former SEAL who worked in Navy recruiting after he had left the SEAL teams, was still on active duty, was still a, a petty officer first class, was no longer a SEAL. Uh, could he have been a cook? I Yes. I mean, there were certain rates back in the day before the special operator rate started that you had to be to become a SEAL. Right. But um, I don't know if culinary specialists. SEALs got to ever... eat, man. I mean, you oh, gotta... <laughs> here's Karina with a question. What do you think about the U.S. Coast Guard movie? Now, there is a, I think there are a couple of Coast Guard movies now. There's the one, though, with Ashton Kutcher and oh, my goodness. Uh, is, it, is it Harrison Ford? Who was in that with him? The Guardian. No, I think it's it's a, 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 a Dances with Wolves. Uh, uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner? Costner. Yeah, The Guardian. That's uh, the one starring, um, oh, let me double check here and make sure. Yeah, Kevin Costner, Ashton Kutcher, Celia Ward. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of that movie. It's 
a fascinating job that I think would make for great movies. These Coast Guard rescue guys. That's really the only attempt that they've made, and it hasn't. Uh, it didn't really catch on. I mean, it's a thirty-seven percent at Rotten Tomatoes, two stars from the uh, the viewing oh. audience. Now on IMDb, which tends to be more favorable, it's really more of a movie nerd site than a critic site. Three and a half stars. That's a six point nine out of ten with eighty-one thousand votes. Uh, a high school swim champion with a troubled past enrolls in the U.S. Coast Guard's A School. We're legendary rescue swimmer, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know what another one is that sticks out to me as not being particularly good? What? Men of Honor. Wasn't that what it was called with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Robert De Niro about Navy divers? Uh, Carl Brashear, he was like the first African-American Navy diver to make Master Chief, I think. When I was working in recruiting, I met some old-timey Navy divers who knew him. They're like, that movie's a bucket of crap. He was the worst person I've ever met in my life. And you'd be like, wow, okay, Warren, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm not going to say it. Ooh, the Jamie Foxx Jessica Beale one. Stealth, is that the one you're talking about? I think it may be because I think I remember when the Navy was uh, working with the people making Stealth and then all of a sudden said, yeah, we've cut off all ties to Stealth. There was also Annapolis, one about boxing at the Naval Academy. There's a lot of Navy movies out there. Yeah. Some good, some not so good. Uh, really, we all know, though, the best one ever, Down Periscope, starring TV's Frasier, Kelsey Grammer. That Down is, Periscope. Yep, best one. End of the discussion right there. Down Periscope, Kelsey Grammer as a submarine captain. Uh, you cannot beat that. You just can't, unless maybe Niles had been added to the cast, but he wasn't. All right, you're listening to The Morning Briefing. It's the Wednesday edition of the show. Coming up, Jessica Harris, founder and CEO of Canine Salute Dog Treats. We're going to talk to her about her career in the United States Army National Guard, where she's now retired from, and her new career selling these dog treats that actually work to raise money to buy bulletproof vests for police working dogs. Stick around. Morning Briefing, back right after this. Welcome back to the Morning Briefing from Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day is our slogan, and it's what we're doing. And you know where we're doing it. We're doing it on ConnectingVets.com, as well as on social media, where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you follow us on there, I guarantee you, you are going to find information, news, and benefits that will be of value to you. Whether you're a veteran yourself, the spouse or child of a veteran, just a friend of a veteran or military member, we've got something for all of you. So go check us out. Remember, at ConnectingVets on social media and connectingvets.com the website is the mothership our next guest is doing something very interesting with our four-legged friends my family we're a dog family and she's a dog person her name is jessica harris who now joins us on the morning briefing to talk about canine salute jessica good morning how are you today I'm doing well. Good morning, Eric. Well, it's great to have you on. And as I mentioned, you are a veteran yourself. Let's talk a little bit about your time. You served in the Washington Army National Guard. So give me the Cliffs Notes version, where you're from, when you joined, and what you did while serving in the Guard. Sure. So I am originally from Washington State. I'm now living in North Carolina, but I did serve for 20 years in the Washington Army National Guard. I joined my senior year of high school in 1995, which sounds like a long time ago now. <laughs> and uh, um, so the first half of my career, I did the traditional weekend warrior status, one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer. And then the last about nine, nine and a half years of my career, I was uh, full-time in the National Guard. So I worked uh, mostly for our state's counter-drug program. And I was uh, a medic the entire 20 years. So... Yeah, it was great. That was 
it, it, it was never the plan to do 20 years. I don't think it's ever the plan at the beginning. Um, just do, you know, six years, get money for college like everyone else. And uh, they suckered me into an entire career. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, you, if you met somebody at boot camp in the Navy who said, like, yeah, my plan is to do about 25 <laughs> years and retire as a senior chief, you're going to keep an eye on that kid because he's, he's yes, a strange exactly. one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course, after 20 years, and especially the, those nine years that you spent essentially uh, on active duty in the National Guard, there comes that day where you're putting the uniform on for the last time, taking it off for the last time. What do you remember about that period in your life, going from being uh, on activation in the National Guard to being a civilian when you retired? Um, it's exciting at first. And so it was pretty exciting for me because I was actually moving across the country. So I, unlike many veterans, my transition was actually pretty smooth for the most part. Now, I did kind of have trouble finding a job within my state, but I found a really great job, a director-level position at a major university in North Carolina. So I made the decision to sell my house, move across the country, and give this whole new career uh, a go. And so so that part was easy, and, and really, like I said, the whole transition process was, wasn't too difficult. Um, Interesting twist, though. So about 10 months after I moved and five weeks after I closed on a house, I was laid off from that job that I moved across the country for. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that happened. Um, and then, oddly enough, that was when my struggle really kind of started, I guess. And, uh, you know, I was living in the Research Triangle Park within North Carolina. We've got three major universities the headquarters of global companies. I thought that there would not be an issue. I would probably have a job the next week. I would probably be telling people, oh, no, I have another job somewhere else. I can't take this job, thinking people are going to be <laughs> coming to me. And uh, after about, let's see, I stopped counting at 300 jobs I had applied for. And so I was then unemployed for 15 months after that happened and over 300 jobs that I had applied for. How unsettling was it to go through, as you described it, a fairly smooth <laughs> transition, find a job, move across the country, lose that job shortly thereafter, and then end up spending over a year unemployed? I, it must have gotten pretty dark at some points where you wondered, am I ever going to find something to do again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it. I, I kind of look back. I don't really know how I kept pushing forward sometimes because – I really didn't have a support circle out there. You know, all of my family, all of my friends, for the most part, are in the Northwest. You know, I knew a few people in North Carolina, a couple acquaintances, you know, at Fort Bragg that I'd met over the years, but no, no one really close to me. And so, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I've tried to always have a positive attitude, I guess, and just keep pushing forward. But there were definitely some dark days and, and weeks. And especially, you know, there was, I remember one time in particular was rough. There was a position I had interviewed for almost hired on the spot. And, you know, they said, oh, well, we'll be in touch with you in a week. And it was actually a group of veterans. So there was a department within a company that was almost, they were about 80% veterans. And so I thought, this is awesome. I've, I found my people again. This will be great. And, you know, it wasn't going to be it wasn't my dream job, but it was something to keep me going in the meantime and uh, never heard back from them. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, um, it, it was, that was kind of the, the moment of, wow. You know, I mean, I got like, I got so excited and fellow veterans and this is going to be great. And then just nothing. And it was some excuse a month later of, oh, there was a hiring freeze, you know, that kind of a thing. And right. I just thought, man, this is, this is really just not how things are supposed to be going. So, <laughs> Yeah, and th- and that's one of those things. I mean, as someone who's gone through it, what would you say? What advice would you give to the people who are out there and maybe go six months, a year, longer without finding a job, without finding work? What advice would you give to them to help them get through that that difficult time in their lives? Um. Well, you know, so for me, I mean, I did have, even though my support system was across the country. Uh, you know, financially, I, I'm I'm blessed because I, you know, I had family. Uh, you know, my mom was still able to to really help me out. But when you're, you know, approaching forty, that's a little, <laughs> it's a little blow to the ego. You know, when you have to do things like that. Um, so I was blessed in that regard, and, um, you know, you you really just you have to you have to have that support system. Um, it, it is rough to to do it alone, and. Um, you just, I don't know, every day is a new day and you really just have to keep going. And it's really about having faith that you're on the right track. You're, you're where you want to be. And you really just every day have to have faith that something will turn around. And of course, things have turned around a little bit for Jessica, as we're going to talk about now. Canine Salute, that's what you're on here to talk about. Of course, the backstory of Jessica Harris is important to realize how she got to where she is now. So tell us about Canine Salute, where the idea came from, and when it was that you decided to start this. Sure. So Canine Salute, the idea formed in January of 2016. And so prior to this, and actually even before I retired from the service, I was already, I already had another business idea I was working on. I kind of had some secret uh, dreams of being an entrepreneur and was going to do something else. It did involve dogs. And so during my transition, I was going through kind of the entrepreneur track that the military offers when you do transition out of the service, because I did have that in the back of my mind. And so about six months after I laid off, I was laid off. Um, I I had been working on this other business idea. I was working on a business plan. I had also gotten really involved in the local veteran entrepreneur community in the Raleigh Durham area, and I had gone to an event called uh, Startup Veterans. And you know, this was probably three or four months after I was laid off, and. Again, didn't have a network of people out there and just thought, I I need to meet people. I need to surround myself with positive people, doing good things, and just get out of this rut. And going to that event was really the turning point just for me, not only from a a professional sense, but I I think just mentally even. Um, Just the the people that I met, um, mostly veterans, but they, they all weren't veterans. It was just a lot of entrepreneurs in the community doing really cool stuff. And I met just some incredible people there that to this day are still mentors uh, for me during, you know, my journey through through business. And so Startup Veterans essentially turned into Bunker Labs. 
And so we have a chapter. So that's a national nonprofit. We have a chapter there uh, that was started in the Raleigh-Durham area. So they've been uh, my biggest cheerleaders uh, from the very beginning. But how Canine Salute really started was I'm a big dog lover. I've, I've had dogs since I was little. And I love working dogs. So I was able to kind of work alongside some working dogs when I was in the National Guard and just developed a, a true appreciation for what these dogs do, how much of an asset they are to a team. And so I follow a lot of different police dogs on social media. I mean, a ton of them have their own Instagram pages. Right. So, yeah. And whenever one would be killed in the line of duty, you know, you just kind of see it pop up and there's a big community outreach and, you know, it's just, it's sad. It's, it's their partner when a dog gets killed. And so in January of 2016, there were eight police canines killed in the line of duty in just that one month. There were 35 within the entire year uh, in 2016. So it definitely was quite a lot. And I remember after the fourth one was killed specifically, I thought, what can I do to bring awareness to what these dogs do and then also find a way to, to give back and maybe, you know, raise money to get medical equipment or protective equipment to these dogs. And it's kind of weird, but literally that same moment that I saw the fourth dog that was killed, I was reading this dog magazine because that's what dog people do. And it was just inundated with all these products. And I'm thinking, you know, they're all the same. There's nothing different. How do these businesses do well? And I mean, the idea, it sounds kind of cheesy, but the idea really just popped into my head at that moment. And I thought, dog treats, let's do a, you know, let's have some type of tribute to the dogs. And, and I mean, instantly my mind just went into overdrive. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm texting friends. I'm like, what do you think about this? Is this completely dumb or what? And everyone's like, no, oh, you know, that, that sounds cool. Thinking, now oh, Jess has some other idea. And uh, just, I kind of kept going with it. And, and really from that moment, um, it's, I've just been all in. And so, um, so what Canine Salute is all about is it is a dog treat company, but each bag of treats, there's a tribute to a fallen police canine. And so it tells a little story. It's got a picture of a fallen canine. And then I donate a portion of the proceeds back to help uh, police departments get protective vests for their dogs. Of course, it's something that I think most of us don't think about, but they are putting their lives on the line, those working dogs, particularly the police working dogs. Uh, the show Live PD on A&E is on every Friday and Saturday night in my house. Yes. It's my wife's favorite Big television fan. show. <laughs> and the dogs are some of the biggest stars on that show. You also realize that they're put in almost uh, extra danger at times because they're, they're, they're the ones who are sent after the guys when they start running away or the ones who are jumping through uh, broken windows, things like that. Yep. Uh, it, it's really a, a fantastic thing that you're doing, getting money uh, to them from the product that you've created. 
when it comes to a product like that, you know, it's something that, of course, we have a dog in our house, our pooch Walker. He's a big, big doofy dog <laughs> who has a great time. I don't know what the process is of, of, of making the treats that we give him. And, of course, my wife has to pick the perfect ones that have the right of stuff course. in them. What has the course. production of the treats been like for Canine Salute? Is it something that you just do on your own at home? Is it something that you outsource? How does that part work? Mm-hmm. So, same thing. So, as soon as I had the idea... I had the same thought. I, I thought, well, okay, now what? How does one make a dog treat? <laughs> and so I just, I went into research mode. And I mean, the, the great thing about the time we live in is you can find about anything on Google. So it's all right there. How to start a business, how to make dog treats. And I just went to work. And so the process is, it definitely was a little bit, more time consuming, not harder, but definitely more time consuming than I thought it would be. So once you develop the recipes that you want to use, you do have to send them to a certified food lab where they do the nutritional analysis. So it's definitely not as picky as if it was a human food, right? Um, but they do determine the nutritional analysis with all the ingredients and the minimum things or the guaranteed analysis, excuse me. So you have to have the percentage of the minimum protein, fat, fiber, moisture, things that most consumers aren't always looking at. Um, many do, but it's it's still just a little tiny thing that it's a requirement. And then you have to have your treats registered with the Department of Agriculture. And they even have to really approve how your, your bag looks and the things that are stated on your bag so that you can't really have anything that's misleading. So one example is, although all of my ingredients are certified organic, and I have to send those certifications to the Department of Agriculture for every single ingredient I use, even though my company isn't certified organic, I can't market on the front of my bag that Canine Salute is an organic dog treat. Right. So it's just little things like that that was a learning process. But again, most consumers, once they see the the ingredients, you know, they see that everything's organic and they're not looking for, well, is this particular company organic? So it's just been it's been a, a learning curve. It's been fun, though, because it's just, you know, it's it's dog treats. There's what's not fun about that. So, <laughs> well, we're speaking yeah. with Jessica Harris, retired <laughs> from the Army National Guard, and now is the founder and CEO of Canine Salute Dog Treats. You just mentioned something that was pretty interesting. Oftentimes, we'll hear from people uh, who are saying, "You know, I have a business idea, but I don't know how to get started on it." It sounds like for you, it was as simple as just googling how to start a business. We've heard that from <laughs> big successes like Dan Alaric from Grunt Style and others who have told us that. What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to those aspiring entrepreneurs? entrepreneurs out there who are looking to to start up their own organization like Canine Salute? So, you know, we're, again, we're so lucky right now. I mean, even in just the, the few years I've been out of the military, there's so many great programs that are popping up around the country in every state and around most major cities. So you just, you have to find that local network, that local group and whether it's Bunker Labs or, um, you know, I've also used SCORE, which is a national organization, and I even won a business competition through them earlier this year through SCORE and Sam's Club. But all of their services are free. 
Um, and you don't even have to find a mentor within your own state. If there's a mentor that, you know, you just need maybe help with distribution and there's a mentor in another state, then, you know, you can partner with them. So I, I highly recommend, you know, them as an organization. And yeah, and it's best, I think, to just be involved in any type of, of local veteran entrepreneur group, if that's something that you want to do. And, and my experience with all of these groups is they're just, they're very positive. Everyone's coming together and it's just kind of, you know, it, it's our new mission outside of the military. And, but there's that almost instant trust, if you will, of, you know, these people want to help me. I want to help, you know, other veterans that are trying to do the same thing. And, you know, it's just, just about finding that new, that new circle of, of people, if you will, in the veteran entrepreneur community. Now, if people want to find out about Canine Salute or look at maybe uh, getting some of the dog treats that you've created there, and you've got some interesting flavors on there, carrot, coconut, peanut butter, and honey, coconut, cranberry, there's all sorts of good things out there. Is it available in stores someplace? Is it available online? How do people go about finding out more about you and obtaining the products that you've made? Mm -hmm. So right now I'm mostly selling online at caninesalute.com. And uh, I'm in right now kind of a handful of retail stores, a couple stores in North Carolina, California. That's that's really the biggest challenge is is getting into retail. Um, But definitely that's something that I'm working very hard on right now. And then I'm also in the process of developing some more flavors. So the next products I'm looking at adding are jerky treats. And I try to source some of my ingredients also specifically from veteran owned farms to work with other veterans that are in the agriculture industry. And so the next piece I'm really working on is to add bison jerky. And I have found a Navy uh, veteran couple in Virginia and they have a bison farm. So I'm hoping to work with them later this year. And that's, that's something that we're, we've got in the planning stages. So definitely want to add some protein treats and, you know, just it's all healthy stuff. They're all human grade and I've eaten them all. I've gotten a lot of other people to eat them. So they're they're good for your dogs. Well, there you go. I mean, if you're willing to try the dog treat yourself, that means that you certainly <laughs> trust that it is good enough for your dog as well. Interesting that you mentioned there that you try to use as many uh, veteran-owned businesses in the process mm-hmm. as possible. How big of a benefit do you think that can be and one that's kind of overlooked by the veteran entrepreneurs and business owners out there, kind of connecting with their fellow veterans to make sure that they're able to build together? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what is important about going to local events, too, and just getting involved, whether it's your local veteran entrepreneur community or other other events. You know, I'm in San Antonio this weekend uh, for an event uh, that was, you know, hosted by another veteran, the Veteran Beverage Competition. And uh, so I, I met other veteran entrepreneurs from around the country. And it's these types of things that you have to go to to really start building those relationships because a lot of us are already connected on social media through different groups and things like that. And so to, to go to these events in person and really, really get to know these people, what they're about. And that's where those relationships really start. And the, not only personal, but professional and, you know, Hey, my business does this, how can we work together? And, um, and that's really how it starts. But that was, that's a big part of what I want to do is definitely support other veterans in business. And I'm a huge 
advocate for the American agriculture industry. And so there's a lot of veterans that are going into agriculture and just as a, you know, their new career path. And that's something I want to even help try to bring a little bit of light to and, and just support them the best that I can. We've been speaking with Jessica Harris, retired from the United States Army National Guard and now running the show over at Canine Salute Dog Treats. Jessica, if people are interested in finding out more about the product, interested in purchasing them or learning more about you, and it uh, looks like you have a delightful uh, quality control expert that you've got working with you there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the website and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Mm-hmm. So uh, caninesalute.com. And that's K and the number nine and salute. And then um, I'm also out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at K9 salute. Uh, you can find us and reach out to me if, you know, if anyone has any questions or, or anything, um, or if there's a retailer that's interested in carrying my treats, uh, you know, definitely get in touch with me. Our thanks to Jessica Harris of K9 salute dog treats. Yeah. Check that stuff out. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. That's where we are at Connecting Vets. And then, of course, ConnectingVets.com is the website. If you go there, you are going to find information that can help you as a veteran, as the family member of a veteran, as the friend of a veteran. We've got something for everybody on the website. The latest news affecting the veteran community, the latest benefits available to veterans, changes to benefits that you already have or that you thought you had. Like the GI Bill. Yeah, we've been covering the fact that the GI Bill, you used to be able to uh, transfer it to your uh, dependents, to your spouse, to your children, etc. at any time. Well, now they're making a change to that where if you are currently serving in the military, you're going to have to do so before you hit the 16-year mark. That's coming out from the DOD. A lot of people unhappy about it, like the VSOs. VSOs that we talk to every week on this show. There's a lot of fantastic stuff going on at ConnectingVets.com, and I highly recommend you check it out and follow us on social media. Again, at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Okay, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk to Matt Bertram. Matt is a hiring expert. He's a branding expert. He's a search engine optimization expert. We're going to talk to him about what veterans are doing right and what we're doing wrong when it comes to building our own brands, when it comes to marketing ourselves to companies, when it comes to search engine optimization. Yeah. Are you showing up on the first page of Google? If you're not, you're messing up. That's what Matt Bertram's going to tell you tomorrow here on The Morning Briefing. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the show. We'll be back tomorrow. We will not be here on Friday. I've got some family stuff to take care of. So our interview with Matt Bertram tomorrow, you can look forward to that. And then on Friday... Well, you can find some other way to spend your morning and then come back on Monday where we'll be back there. But have no fear. We are back bright and early tomorrow, 7.15 for the Facebook Live segment, 8.15 for the show stream at ConnectingVets.com slash listen. And we'll see you then. On behalf of the ConnectingVets.com team, I'm your host, Eric Dane. Morning Briefing, signing off. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.